0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.
1: Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in. It's the Lions 24-7 Podcast. I'm Tyler Donahue. He is Sean Fitz. Penn State put in practice number five Uh, on Wednesday. We were there at the start of it and at the end of it. Got a chance to hear from James Franklin, offensive coordinator Mike Yursich, a couple team veterans, and Jonathan Sutherland and Juice Scruggs after that practice session. Uh, a lot of content over at lines 247com including some VIP notes uh, as well as some uh, photo gallery stuff. If you're watching us on YouTube here, I got lights flickering. We did have a massive thunderstorm rolling through on a on a truly spring day here in Happy Valley. We've moved on from the winter weather, uh, but hopefully I stay with you, Sean. But I feel like a little bit out of a scene from Twister right now.
0: You know what? I'll take any spring day we can get. I just had my air conditioner service, so I'm looking forward to actually blowing cold air out of these vents once in a while. Um, but yeah, I'll, t- I'll take it. And I hope we hope we keep you for the entire episode because that's uh, I'm going to need you on this one. You were at practice last night. I was at practice last night. You went back for the uh, for the the follow-ups with Mike Yuricich, James Franklin, Jonathan Sutherland, Juice Scruggs. Um, getting into it, five practices. So a third of the way through, of course, a lot of that's acclimation. You got a couple days without out actual pads and hitting and, and things like that so it's the usually the least active here they're going to get into uh sort of a, a they'll, they'll have a saturday scrimmage in beaver stadium we we're not invited this year we were there last year but that was just because everybody was invited due to the whole COVID thing the recruiting opening up and all that kind of stuff we don't have did we say that. please did yeah we make sure yeah. we said please <laughs> I said please. I approached Greg Kincaid about it. It was more for planning purposes than anything, because speaking of which, I'll be out for the first episode next week going fishing a couple of days. So um, Tyler, you're gonna have to figure out what we're doing next week. But yeah, <laughs> we'll figure it out scrimmage this weekend, uh, and get into it and uh, eclipse that halfway point and take it home. But uh we saw last night that there's the, a lot of those storylines that we approach the spring with, we continue and a lot of that is is focused on numbers you look at the offensive line that that pops up immediately you, you look at the linebackers um you know it's just a couple of you're switching around walk-ons and things like that to make it work there too so um, a little short you have that in spring sometimes but uh there's there's a, there's a lot of uh a lot of holes to be filled and and it's not going to happen
1: right away for penn state You were putting together kind of a a piecemeal offensive line depth chart on Wednesday. If they had to get on the field and play a game, Alex Fermanek, who, who, as far as we know, a few weeks ago was in the defensive line room, would be a too deep guy right now for you. So we'll get to that in a second, but how about some positive trends, and they involve Some familiar names here. Zane Durant popped up, which is no surprise. We'll get to him in a second. There were some defensive players mentioned by Franklin in in, in a very positive light. But in that running back room, Nick Singleton, since he got to campus, there's been the buzz. Since before he got to campus, there's been a buzz. Gatorade Player of the Year nationally. And we've been saying for a while, don't forget about Catron Allen, top 24-7 talent himself. You don't just go to IMG Academy as a sophomore in high school and then flourish for three seasons by accident. He got to campus here in January as well. Sounds like both of them, according to Mike Yursis and James Franklin, prepared physically and mentally in a room where anything is up for grabs right now.
0: Well, that I mean, that's what you're looking for. You look at that position, and it's a I don't want to say it's an easy one to contribute uh as a immediately as a freshman, but it's among the spectrum. It's it's one of the easier positions to take the ball and go with it. Now, a lot of that has to do with pass protection and the little things like that. And James Franklin actually mentioned that Nick Singleton has done a good job coming along in pass protection. And, you know, we, we know, we we think we know he can carry the ball. We think, you know, he can, you know, do all the things that a running back does with the ball in his hands, but those little things that you don't think about from a down to down basis or a a week to week basis, those are the things that get you on the field. And uh, for, for James Franklin to comment on his pass protection, to me says more, I, I can take more away from that, than I can about, oh, he looks great running the ball, he looks good, you know, catching the ball out of the backfield, et cetera. Because that means He's in line to play, and I reached out to some folks earlier this week, and uh, you know who's who's standing out, etc Uh, Those two jumped right to the top of the list. So, uh, Kevon Lee, very good off season. Um, you're going to have to figure out and shuffle that deck and, and figure out where those guys fit in because uh, Aya Holmes was still taking reps yesterday. Devin Ford still taking reps yesterday, um, but I think those guys are coming, and and it's a, it's at a point where J1 Sider, after the year that they had last year, if somebody's going to come in and upset the cart, that's fine because you're you're starting essentially resetting starting from scratch and and these guys are are pretty talented so can't wait to see singleton um i haven't seen a ton of katron allen of course he's a quiet guy I played in the under armor uh, all-american game just a couple of months ago but uh i mean they, they, they've got a lot of the things that you're looking for and and to be honest with you if you're a penn state fan watching this you want to see something different that, that that's what
1: you've got and J1 Slater, very vocal. I don't know if he was emphasizing it because he had all these cameras on him and people recording and all of us listening and knowing that we're going to go on podcasts and talk about it. But he was very vocal, reminding those running backs about what happened and what didn't happen last year while working them through some drills, challenging them physically. Um, I think there was a point of emphasis on the lack of production after contact last year, which was a frustrating aspect of but overall was a failure for the ground game. Um, And and so, Sean, you're right. It wasn't really surprising or startling or notable that James Franklin said Nick Singleton looks explosive. We can check that off the list when he gets here in January. The fact that he went out of his way, specifically referenced the pass protection. We also heard that that he feels Katron Allen has a leg up from that time at IMG Academy. We heard something similar when, when Noah Kane came to campus a few years ago, and you saw how that freshman year worked out for him. Uh, and, and Franklin also referenced it, it, in, in knowing how to handle himself in pass protection and knowing how to anticipate things a bit. And that's important because a couple of years ago, when you were had no practices in the spring because of the circumstances of 2020, I recall Jaywan Sider breaking down those freshman running backs who had to play a huge role, uh, Kaziah Holmes and Keevon Lee, and really talking about how that aspect of their game was missing from the toolkit when they got to campus. That Both of them were physical specimen, athletic, impressive. You get the ball in their hands, they, they can do some special things. But everything else without the ball in your hands, that's where you get tripped up, even at the elite running back talent in that transition. First spring to hear those kind of reviews in a room that really needs a reset, that equation lines up pretty well for Nick Singleton and Catron Allen. And I know a lot of listeners out there are pretty excited for April 23rd when they get a chance to see these guys run the ball in Beaver stadium.
0: I would agree with that. And I, I would say, you know, I think we're going to uh, approach this off season, especially at running back and tight end, sort of kind of uh, wary of what we heard last year versus what we sure. saw last year. I mean, this kind of does remind you of 2019 when you're, you know, you you thought you had a starter, you think you have Keevon Lee is, and, and I hate to make the, compa- I'm not comparing them at all, but to your Ricky Slade, who you thought was going to be the starter in 2019, but you've got, Four guys that you think can contribute and where do they all fit in and how's that going to work over the first month of the season? How's that going to transition into what you're looking to in October, and November? So you've got options right there. So it'll be interesting to see. By the way, I have a question. Did, did you ask Mike Yersuch about last year's ground game?
1: I did not, but it was asked about uh, in a couple different ways, and, and each path was denied. Uh, Mike Yurcich has closed the book on discussing the frustrations of 2021, um, apparently, and he made that very clear early on. He talked a little bit he's got, about he's that. Got no
0: time for our bullshit. Yeah, he, he <laughs> talked.
1: He talked. He talked. Uh, you know, a, a lot about his frustrations and saying he wanted to improve the offense or die trying before the bowl game. This is the first time we've had him since the bowl game, which was. Not a great way to finish his first year as offensive coordinator down there. No points in the second half and and just another game where the ground game goes missing and you, and you can't figure out why exactly that happened. So you get to this point. Yursich wants to focus on the present. Uh, a big part of that, Sean, of course, is in the quarterback room. Sean Clifford, you're number six. You talk about something people are hesitant to buy into or 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 really just get their feet on the bandwagon with. You know, positivity in the running back room is going to be hard for people. With the run game, it's going to be hard for people. Hearing about how Sean Clifford is going to make a big step, you know, as, as a 23 year old prospect at this level is, is even a di- more difficult pill to swallow. But Mike Yersic saying the biggest development he sees from Sean Clifford, and this will be music to people's ears, but I don't know if they'll believe it right now, is in his working through progressions and his ability to anticipate with the continuity year two feels like the trust, you know, he's saying vice versa, him and Sean, the wavelength is there. We heard that last year, especially when things got off to a hot start. Um, So, look, you take everything you hear with a grain of salt with this offense. And and that is especially true. You know, you and I have watched Sean Clifford now start 33 games for Penn State football. We we covered a lot of his recruitment process as well. Um, So it's, you know, he's been a productive quarterback. He's going to put up some tremendous career numbers. But is he going to push you that much further from the seven and six finish where you're saying you got to put your eggs in the basket of a six year senior?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, that was a five and0 start. So I mean, obviously things changed in that one that yeah. one play at Iowa. But it, it's funny because that, that Clifford fatigue is real. I you know posted some notes last night. Sean Clifford was the best looking quarterback and the you know the most accurate quarterback in the time that we saw. People don't really want to hear that right now. You know, it's it's kind of how that's that that's all played out, and he's been around for so long, and and you kind of know exactly what you're getting. Um, you know, just in terms of how high he can get, how low he can get, and where that where does your team fit? I mean, basically, your win loss record is going to be in between wherever you wherever he sees fit from a from a week to week. Uh, so that's, that's tough to, that's tough to overcome because everybody wants the, the young guys to step up. And I think this quarterback room is in a much better position than it was a year ago at this time. Um, but y- you know so much about Sean Clifford, you know, you, you you think you've seen it all with Sean Clifford. Um, so, you know, good, good reviews are probably not something that you're, that are, that are being received favorably right now. So, and that's unfortunate because, uh, you can see it out there. I was watching last night, just the depth of his drops and the, you know, the, and the smooth, uh, motion of, of rolling out to his right and delivering the ball. And then a couple of reps later, Drew Aller sends one flying. you know, in the same, in the same, uh, same drill. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting to watch the dynamics of how people respond to Sean Clifford. And, and, and I don't, I'm not saying I blame people. I mean, we've we've seen a lot of Sean Clifford. Um, we've seen some good. We we tend to block out some of the good, but we we remember that bad because it's been pretty bad. So um, I I don't know what to um, uh, how to bring this one home. Other than it's it's going to happen. I mean, he's he's clearly the the top guy right now. He's clearly going to be the starter when they go to Purdue. Um, and you just have to hope this quarterback room is you know can can keep up and they can they can all benefit from from him being the number one.
1: You mentioned it wasn't really that well-received that, that you noted Sean Clifford was, was clearly the, the guy at quarterback and, and and going through his thing. By the way, an impressive pro-day performance with Jahan Dotson out there. Uh, that's something that uh, Mike Yurcich also was not interested in discussing. Not relevant, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, Sean Clifford, you know, as much as people may not want to hear that, they also may have read the sentence that you wrote about Drew Aller, which wasn't, Drew is setting the world on fire, and that's what everyone wants to hear about Drew right now. Uh, through five practices at Penn State, gonna be a process, and and, and Bo Perdue is getting reps ahead of him. I, you know, it, it, it's it's just in order. The guys are in line. For all we know, Drew's rotating, but the guy that wasn't asked about yesterday is Christian Veiu, and to me, he is still the player in that room. That when you look away from Sean Clifford and wonder who might need to step up if Clifford gets hurt, if it's a shoddy start to the season continue to go with, well, I was going to say number nine, but I guess I'll have to clarify, Christian Veiu.
0: Yeah, number nine and number nine uh, are taking reps at the number two and number three um, because, of course, Bo is wearing number nine as well. That's crazy. And Also, you mentioned Alex fermentic uh, a couple of uh, minutes ago. He's still wearing number 47 as an offensive lineman, which is just absolutely awesome. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you, you've got to develop that class or develop them. And, and what James Franklin said is, Equal reps are coming through and, you know, whether that's, you know, everybody's getting five reps at a time, which is probably not realistic in the, in the flow of a college practice, but you're getting enough work for Sean Clifford. And then you're getting those other three guys more than, more than their share, I would say would probably be a good way to be, to, to, to go about it, getting equal, equal reps. As I stumble over myself, I apologize for that. Um, But no, I mean, it's all about improving that uh, one through four. Uh, rather than just developing that one as we've seen before that just getting that one ready and then number two kind of sinks below there so we'll see what happens i mean i'm not I'm not surprised Bo has taken the third reps i mean we talked about that this off season is, is drew had a lot of work to do physically a lot of work to do from a from a training standpoint a, a lifting standpoint and things like that I will say the ball does jump I mean you can you could see it coming out of his hand um, there's something special there maybe uses a little bit to uh, relies a little bit too on, on his arm. Um, at times, but uh there's the natural talent is right there and it's it's hard to miss.
1: Quarterback going to be remaining remaining discussion, some things down yeah, the we'll road. Talk I'll talk about be that curious. at some
0: point in the offseason. <laughs> on this
1: on this timeline, though, Sean, some things I'll be curious who's working with the scout team when we get to that point when when the when the team kind of splits up in August, who ends up over there with the scout team, who's traveling? To Indiana in September for that Purdue matchup, uh, we'll kind of get an early indication of, of where those freshmen have come along. A long way down the road, five practices in their pocket. Uh, we'll keep monitoring that. We'll be back on the practice field next next week as well, uh, so another chance for evaluation of both prabula and Aller. Uh, moving over to wide receiver Sean, a guy I mentioned last week, Malik Mega, and and we had talked about him maybe contributing as a as a punt coverage gunner with that speed and, and the blend of size. That's a pretty scary thought uh, for special teams coordinators on the other side of this thing. Um, Mega has all this fascination and you can use your imagination and, and and you can use that breakout thing. The feedback you get on Tinsley is dependable game ready. Uh, a guy who's, you know, come in, plug and play, get, get him, get him uh, familiar with the offensive scheme. He'll be ready to roll. He's going to de- be dependable. It's an interesting juxtaposition that's kind of developing here as we look around the r- receiver room for who's going to step up with Jahan Dotson moving on.
0: Yeah, that that makes me wonder how dynamic is he? Because you you look at the potential of Malik Mega, you look at the potential of a guy like Harrison Wallace, and and you know they they mention those things—the jumping ability, the leaping ability, the um, the way to high point the ball, and everything like that. For, for everything they say about Tinsley, he's smooth, he's mature, and all that kind of stuff. And you're wondering. Um, You know, is he is he a guy that's going to fill that possession role? And maybe some of some of that that you threw to Parker Washington last year, maybe that opens some things up for Parker Washington. I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting. But I I do. I am right there with you in that the feedback for Tinsley is different. It's I don't know if it's if it's maybe he's not as good as we thought he was. Maybe he's better than we thought. There's no there's no telling tipping their hand on that. But it's it's very different than the other receivers. I That was interesting as well.
1: Yeah, we'll see. And, and by the way, Taylor Stubblefield uh, made it a point to to be very loud and vocal in some of his uh, judgment of his receivers yesterday with the media crowded around as well, including some words for, for, for some of the freshmen who remain on the lighter side. Caden Saunders, Omari um, Evans out there. Uh, receiver room has a lot of growth to go through and and, and sorting things out on that too deep. Um, speaking of growth, it sounds like it's going very well for Zaki Wheatley at the safety position. He spent his freshman year at cornerback the length has always been apparent with the Maryland product. And now here he is in his first camp as a safety. And it sure sounds like he's pushing for starting consideration.
0: Yeah. I mean, we we talked in the off season about you have Jair Brown at one spot and then Probably Jalen Reed and, and Keaton Ellis battling for the other spot. But I think Wheatley's gotten in there. And I I think that's a credit to him, the way that he's come along. And, and you know, the coaches are very high on what he brings to the table. Hasn't played a lot of football. A, a lot of that is out of his his hands. Of course, he missed his senior season. Um, so when he gets back into live action, we'll see how much uh, – how, how many – strides he has made but they think it's promising and for a guy that's that's been a red shirt fr- or the guy that is a red shirt freshman to come along and sort of uh, shake some things up and, and be in the two deep you really can't ask for much more out of Zaki Wheatley now we'll, we'll see what happens when he takes the field but absolutely uh just sort of tickled with his progress because you, you you know you missed a senior year you weren't quite sure what he was you thought you had an idea then he goes and plays corner which You know, kind of takes him off the radar altogether because there's a lot of a lot of corners over there last year, Um, and then moves to safety. Is he is he a depth guy? Is he guy to push the start? Looks like it's going to be the latter.
1: Yeah, Jonathan Sutherland, who spent a lot of time at safety in his career, now at linebacker, uh, referred to Wheatley as a ball hawk and said that's been a theme so far in spring ball, including an interception. On Wednesday, um, and, and by the way, James Franklin sounding confident that they have four safeties who can play in game action right now. That's a good, that's a good number right now. We'll see if they can build upon that. They've got some incoming talent, some freshmen, the junior college transfer and Tyrese Mills, uh, but Jalen Reed, part of that conversation along with uh, the three that we just discussed. So we um, We'll find out who the starter is, but I, to hear him say that they've got four guys, um, five practices in the spring ball, I think Anthony Poindexter's group is in a, a pretty healthy position right now. You'd like more depth, but that's a good starting point.
0: I mean, you'll take four. You, you. Yeah. This is a conversation we have every year. A guy is a you know a standout at safety, and then he has to be replaced, and the 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 other starter. Is now the standout at safety, and he has to be replaced. Now you've you've got this situation again, but you feel better than you have in the last couple of years in terms of filling that in. I mean, we didn't, you know, didn't know for sure that Jair Brown was going to be uh, a full time starter or anything like that till August last year. So you, you're you're feeling pretty decent about the talent that you have there, the depth that you have. They haven't gone looking in the portal for a safety, which tells me they feel pretty comfortable with those guys back there. Keaton Ellis, um, you know, while his career probably hasn't gone the way a lot of people thought it would, including himself still has played a lot of football. So you've got some experience back there. You've got some talent, young talent in Reed and Wheatley, and you'll get um, get some more reinforcements this offseason. And that I think that's uh, something that James Franklin said, you know, re- referencing the offensive line, but there's still a lot of bodies to be filled in May for that, uh, that first summer session, then in, in June when the rest of them get here.
1: And particularly on defense, as I mentioned a couple episodes ago, only one scholarship edition on defense, and that's the guy we're going to mention right now, Zane Durant. Ever heard of him, Sean? Uh, I, I thought <laughs> I thought James Franklin did a pretty nice job summarizing basically what we've been discussing about Durant for a while and what is continuing through the first third of spring practice, which is quite impressive. The quote from Franklin, Zane Durant is flashing at a position that's usually hard to flash at as a freshman.
0: We've talked about that before. It's in, insanely hard to get onto the field as a, as a defensive tackle, as a freshman, and then you're 260 pounds trying to do it. I mean, that, that's going to add some, some wrinkles to the the dynamic here. So we'll see where he's at when, uh, when things go live and we'll see where he's at on April 23rd. And like I said, like I mentioned, he's going to look small out there. you just look at uh, the guys beside him, uh, 300 pounders around 290 pounders around him. He's not going to be that guy but I think he's going to be active. I think he's going to be a, a explosive and you've got to figure out how to use him most effectively. And like I said, that's not going to be by getting him 30 snaps a game that might be getting eight to 10 snaps and, and trying to be disruptive, trying to be a, a pass rusher or something like that. And how does that work off of Hakeem Beeman? beam? And how does that work off Devon Ellis? And the, there's a lot to, to work for uh, Jordan Vanderbird's been uh, active in there as well. How does that work off, uh, you know, all these defensive tackles and you, I it's a good problem to have. It's a, it's a lot better the, of a situation than they were a couple of years ago. Um, So you, you're finding yourself in a better and better spot at that position every 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 week, actually.
1: And although he's not on the field, you've got field active as you'd love to have him. You've got PJ Mustard breaking down the practice film with these guys every single day, and they're getting a lot of reps. On the practice field right now so we'll see vandenberg you continue to really like the feedback there uh, everything you hear about the second year player um sean let's feel good stuff now let's go to the other side of the trenches the offensive line you look over to that corner of the facility yesterday during practice and there just aren't a lot of bodies out there right now
0: it's amazing you look across and you're trying to to sort of nail down and and during the season there's what 15 to 17 offensive linemen, probably you know, 14 scholarship guys a couple of walk-ons. Um, now they're they're holding the bags for each other because there's nine of them. So it's uh it's it's been really interesting to see that come together. You're playing JB Nelson at tackle and guard, you're trying to figure out different combinations. James Franklin mentioned Caden Wallace gives him some flexibility on the right side and left side. He, he did point out three guys, he pointed out Wallace pointed out Juice Scruggs, who you talked to last night. He looks a little bit bigger um, playing center there. And They feel like center is his best position. And then Olufashanu, who, of course, we've been very high on uh, here on the podcast for a long, long time. Um, so, I mean, steps in the right direction, that's fine. But there's – I mean, this is still an offensive line that's got a long, long way to go.
1: Yeah, and, and Scruggs certainly – does look just different than even last time we saw them down in tampa i know that makes sound silly but uh, that's one guy that jumped off the practice field last week to me i think i had mentioned that uh, listed 12 pounds heavier than he was uh, last year, you know, solidified now and and a guy that I think they are really going to be needing to lean on as an ex- as a guy who's going to step up from a leadership role within this offensive line. And working with Sean Clifford, we got a chance to do that uh, last year toward the tail end, moving over from right guard. Um but yeah, I mean his feedback, you know, you, you take a lot of that among any of these peers, um, you know, kind of as highly as anyone. He's been around the program for a while now. Um and he said Olu Fashano just has the kind of god-given talent that you can't coach and it's coming together in a way that he says we'll see soon uh the expectations from everybody uh you know dating back even some of the things that mike Yersich said last december about olu fashanu has really set up for us to you know point at left tackle and say maybe, maybe that's a spot that's going to be okay and, and olu has to has to go out and, and 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 prove it and prove it and prove it over and over again but you love the feedback I think Landon Tengwall is a big one to me. You know, if he can if he can be a hit there on the left side alongside Olu Fashanu, uh, that's going to go a long way toward what you want to accomplish for Penn State up front. Um, if you've got issues at guard, you know, Salim Wormley coming off of rehab, you know, can he carry it through? You've got Hunter Norzad coming in. Uh, how much do you trust a player like JB Nelson or a Golden Israel Chumba right now? And how much do you trust uh, a lot of these guys, uh, even projected starters? The benefit of the doubt isn't there, and that really applies to even the returning experienced players in this room because of what happened last year. And whether it's fair or not, that's the way it's going to be until they go out and hit another team and move the football with effectiveness.
0: I, I've got no problem with that. I mean, it's mm-hmm. uh, you've got to you've got to see it to believe it, and you know we say that every year, and somehow that gets twisted into well, this is going to be the year for the offensive line. It's it's not. I mean, it's it, it, we're not at that position. We're not ready to to make that leap. We haven't been for a while, and it's just uh, it's it, it's crazy to think about it on one end, but on the other end, you, you're right. There's. There's talent there, which means there's hope there. We'll see what uh, Hunter Norrseth brings to the table. He was on campus over the weekend uh, to check things out, and uh, you got to you got to think he likes what he's seeing right now. I mean, no offense to the guys that are that are on the field, but he's got an opportunity to step into that right guard spot and and, and try to make some things happen. Um, you know, you're, you're looking and James Franklin laid out the two deep in his, in his preseason press conference, but you're looking fairly solid on that left side. You can, you know, if, you, if all those guys are healthy, then you, you think you've got a base to, to build for the future. Um, we'll see, we'll see how that all takes shape, but uh, yeah, it's like, uh, like we talked about with the running backs and the tight ends earlier. They, they're not in a spot where you give them the benefit of the doubt right now. And that's, uh, that's something that Phil Troutwine has to, to earn. Phil Troutwine has to put them in the right position. Um as we keep mentioning, there's talent there. There's 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 the ability to to turn some things around. I, I think you know a lot of people have already written off Caden Wallace, and and they seem to think that he's got a lot left. So we'll see what happens with that group, and and that's pretty much all you can say until until September. I mean, even if they go out in the Blue White game, and James Franklin said that they're opening some holes, and the tight ends are doing better, and things like that. Even if they go out in the Blue White game and run the ball and and do all that stuff, you're you're still going to have doubts heading into the season.
1: Yeah, it has to be proven on the field this fall. There's just there's no way between now and then where it's not going to be a topic of discussion that has a negative light cast upon it. That's just the way it is coming off of what happened in 2021. Sean, um, the other position that we can't say we didn't warn our listeners the last few months. Uh, We talked about the offensive line and what that may look like during spring ball. Linebacker thin over there as well.
0: Thin uh, from a number standpoint, you know, they're, they're, I thought Jamari Budden looked good. I thought uh, Tyler Ellison looked good out there, um, Kobe King as well. So, you know, there, there's, there's size, there's athleticism, but, yeah, very thin from an experience standpoint. You're scra- is scraping together a two deep right now. Um, you know, it depends who's healthy on what particular, which particular day. You feel good about Curtis Jacobs, and you have questions all the way al- around the, the line. I don't think there's much we could have taken away from practice other than there's just not a whole heck, heck of a lot of them running around. Um, and we'll see how Manny Diaz has to um, utilize these guys to offset the numbers there. I mean, does that mean more two linebacker sets? Does that mean more DaQuan Hardy on the field, which I'm a fan of personally? But uh, you know, you can't run uh, a nickel back out there against a team that's going to run the ball 40 times. So um, we'll see what happens with that linebacker group. But you, you know, I, I still think that they're going to peruse the the portal hard and try and find somebody that can come in. If if not for an immediate starter, than then, then a guy that's maybe close to a starter level, because you've got to figure out how to how to get through this season or get through the next, actually the next couple of months and then get through the season um, with the numbers that you have, because that's a position where not everybody stays healthy. You and I know that we've watched enough football. We've seen enough Penn State football to know that there's uh, there's going to be situations that arise that, that are going to leave you thinner, even thinner than you're at in the spring. And that's not a, a great thing. And now you've got Keon Wiley, you've got uh, Abdul Carter coming in, in in the fall, but that's, uh, you, you don't want to be in a position where they're your crutch and you have to lean on those guys uh, in game situations, especially with uh, a couple Of big road games early in the season. We'll be right back on the Lions 24 7 podcast.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road.
0: With available H track, all wheel drive, and three row seating, my whole family can head deep into the
1: wild. Conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details.
0: Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, how get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month sold. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 upfront for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes
1: per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Piecing together the personnel plan is going to be a challenge for Manny Diaz and, and the coaching staff just, just because of the, the lack of an influx of, of talent and the guys that you did lose uh, right now on the field in spring. But to me, the other kind of glaring thing coming out of the conversation with James Franklin after Wednesday's practice is, you know, where's the leadership going to come from? Uh, The accountability aspect, the uh, being on the same wavelength as this new voice uh, in Manny Diaz for your leadership position on defense. You know, he was asked about Curtis Jacobs. It sounds like, you know, Curtis Jacobs is still trying to figure out his role within this defense. And you got to figure that out before you can get to the next level and start leading others and know what their roles are. Jonathan Sutherland's been around for a while, but I know people don't want to hang their hat on on him being the the linchpin of this defensive plan. So to me, that's a big question. P.J. Mustapha on the sidelines right now, but he's very much a part of this program. Jair Brown has really stepped up in, in, in terms of his leadership based on all the feedback. But that's really where the conversation seems to end. And a lot of it is because guys don't have Big Ten games under their belt. They haven't gone out and proven it. Got to get through practice. You got to get through some adversity. You got to step up and say some things in the locker room. You got to hear some things in the locker room and digest it as you grow as a leader. But right now, while you're looking for a personnel plan, you're also looking from the perspective of when it gets messy in September on the road to Purdue, and Manny Diaz is trying to relay his message, how many guys are going to be ready to pick that up and pass it along?
0: Well, you're also looking at this is not a completely new defense, but the new defensive coordinator. I mean, Brent Pry was around for a long, long time, so you get comfortable with calling them. And and Franklin even said last night some guys are – maybe a step slow because they're trying to figure out where they're supposed to be. And that's that's great to work that out in the spring. And hopefully that that gets taken care of over the next couple of weeks and uh, into the season. But you've got guys like, like Jacobs, he's that's a position change. He's in the box. Now Um, you're asking him to be a leader. He's got to take care of himself first and figure out where he needs to be. Because if you're, you know, you can be a leader, um, or you can try to be a leader, but if you're out of position, I mean, that doesn't really help your cause in terms of the follow me aspect of things. So, um, we'll see what happens the linebackers a long way to go in that, uh, in that area as well. Um, you, you hope that one of those two young middle linebackers can nail it down and just give yourself or give yourself a, a comfort level on the inside. Um, because, Uh, I I don't think anybody's looking at Sutherland and saying this guy's going to change the defense for, for the better. I don't think he's going to, you know, be like the world on fire as a playmaker or anything like that. Um, You know, is he a stopgap between trying to get Jamari Budden ready or trying to get the next guy up? Who knows? Um, Because this, uh, this group, and, and I say it, I I find myself saying it a lot this off season is there are so many questions that we can't answer. Um, You know, it's great that we can throw some things out there, but, um, until September, I mean, you're really going to have, you're, you're really going to be floundering to find an actual answer rather than speculation.
1: Um, Sean, we did see some special teams action really quickly there. The, the one thing is when Sanders said, Hey, that kicks the football, everyone in the, everyone around the field knows it.
0: Yeah. You, you hear it, man. It comes off his foot and it's a, I mean, it's a boom. Um, you know, it's kind of like what we heard with Jordan Stout. I, you know, I didn't spend a ton of time, uh, you know, paying attention to Pinninger, but, like I was filming wide receivers at the time and you hear it and you, I mean, that's like a, like a deer and somebody steps on a twig and it, you know, it's, it, it's kind of crazy to see that pop off of his left foot, as you mentioned, uh, or as we mentioned in the, the notes, I think his final kick was a 35 yarder and he put that thing well up on the side wall, um, yeah. up, on, up on the logo, which is a pretty, pretty special kick. And the, the leg strength, as I mentioned with Drew, uh, Drew Aller uh, early with the arm strength. It's noticeable. I mean, you you could be watching, you could not be a a football fan and you could see him kick the ball and say, that kid, I, I don't know where he falls into things, but he can kick things really, really far.
1: Number one kicker in 24-7 sports, 2021 class rankings. Jake Pinninger, uh fifth-year player for Penn State, looking to reclaim his role as place kicker. That's a competition that will continue. Um, by the way, Barney Amore uh, currently uh, handling the, the punting role and the holding role. Obviously, Jordan Stout seemed to do just about everything here and there over the course of the season and his career. So we've got some new faces and new places. Don't worry, Sean, the long snapper situation, stable. Of course.
0: Chris Stoll is there. It's it's going to be stable. I will say for Barney Amore, that's I that's not a job that I envy because Pinnaker's right footed. Uh, yeah. yeah, switching Pinnaker's right footed to so Hadex left footed to turn that around. That's a that's a pretty pretty talented thing for it for him to have to handle.
1: Again, we'll be back at the practice field next week. Uh, We'll talk about that in our second episode of the week as well. Uh, For now, just a few recruiting notes, some top schools lists that surfaced in recent days, Sean, uh, one of them uh, out of Philadelphia, defensive back Sean Battle, who picked up a Penn State offer a long time ago during his freshman year, uh, putting the Nittany Lions in his top five. Um, an interesting one here because a lot of those offers came early. You look at the top five. It's not necessarily murderers row. And in, in, for the sake of speaking about recruiting hierarchy, what do you make of where his recruitment is now approximately two years after he landed on Penn State's 2022 target board?
0: you go back a year and we're thinking about potential crystal balls for the class of 2023. And you think Sean battle, you think Antonio trip. And now all of a sudden a year later, and we're barely talking about these guys. And that's a, it's an interesting way to, to track a recruitment. I will say I've, you know, I've heard Boston college in Virginia, probably in the best spot. He hasn't been to Penn state for a long time. And Penn state hasn't been pushing, uh, you know, hasn't been pushing with vigor for a long time. So, I, I don't think he ends up at Penn State. I know they've wanted to see him run. They want to see how fast he actually is, um, and that's the thing with with positions like corner. The, your status can change in the matter of 100 meters, in the matter of 40 meters or 40 yards or something like that. Um, so I, I don't really see without him working out in front of the staff, without him putting up some monster track numbers, that one coming back back around for Penn State.
1: We saw some of that play out last year in the defensive back recruiting board uh, with some of those verified testing and, and this seeking those out and, and how those can impact the target board. By the way, the top five for battle, Boston College, Cincinnati, Nebraska, Virginia, Virginia. he's out of Newman-Goretti, uh, close with a couple of those Philadelphia products who signed with Penn State last class, Tyrese Mills, uh, Ken Talley. I think they made a trip up to campus together last summer. But, again, a lot can happen in a year. Sean, the other name here, and he is a recent visitor uh, to Penn State, is IMG Academy defense Defensive lineman and top 100 composite prospect, Will Norman. Uh, it's a top seven for Norman. He's a South Jersey guy, relatively new to football, and he's down there at IMG Academy, uh, where y- you can never just ba- never call the guy a Florida kid because he's on the IMG Academy roster. For those listening and don't already know that.
0: Yeah, he's a Camden kid, which makes it interesting from a standpoint of Elijah Robinson has been, uh, you know, he's a Camden guy as well. Uh, very, very successful at recruiting those guys. So I, I know that there was a crystal ball that went in this week for Will Norman. But I, and I think he's he's very high on Penn State. But as long as A&M is on that list, you're going to be wary about how things go. Um, of course, uh, Norman's going to get down to, I think, Auburn and and Florida, I think it was um and and check out some other schools but he's popped up at penn state a couple of times i will say probably not one to judge um the ebb and flow of the recruitment by social media and i, I will mm-hmm. warn you against that one um i i understand that the the crystal ball came in and people want to feel good about that but i think this is one that's got a, a ways to go on that i think penn state has done a nice job recruiting him um but i'm I'm not ready to trust this one and and, and jump in uh, headfirst for uh, for Will Norman to Penn State. That said, you get him back on campus a couple of times, maybe for an official visit, maybe comes up for one of those long weekends in the summer. And you've got something cooking there. And maybe, maybe you find yourself in a pretty good spot. He's a talented kid, as you mentioned, new to football. So he's got uh, a lot left uh, to tap out in terms of of his potential. Um, but just wary of, of, of some of those schools on the list. We've seen this with IMG kids before. That uh, have been in the area, and then all of a sudden they, you know, they go away, and the SEC is calling, and some other schools um, are certainly uh, appealing to him as well. But uh, I think this one has got a lot left in the tank in this recruitment.
1: It was Josh Newberg, Florida State insider for twenty four seven Sports, who put in that crystal ball pick. Obviously, I, Newberg. I texted,
0: pretty... I, I texted Berg after, "What are you doing to me, man?" He's like, "Well, <laughs> I just heard some things and wanted to get that one in." I, I don't think it's a it, it's an indication that a decision is coming anytime soon for Mister Norman.
1: Yeah, uh, and and I know I know Josh down there covers a lot of IMG Academy stuff. So it was I was curious when that one popped up midweek. Um, by the way, that top group along with Penn State, Auburn, Florida, Florida State, LSU, Michigan, and NS Chauncey, Texas A and M. Uh, looming down there in College Station. Uh, One other note here, we've seen some of these uh, visitors passing through during the week, uh, coming in the weekend. Um, A midweek visit occurred. uh, Four-star Michigan offensive lineman Emil Herring in town. Uh, Alan True reporting uh, on this on Lions 24-7 on Wednesday.
0: Yeah, Amir's been in town a few times now. Uh, Most recently, I think for a junior day in January uh, before this week, I'm very interested to see how this recruitment goes. I know he's ranked highly, um, but he he is, as we've mentioned on here before, and sorry to all the offensive linemen or former offensive linemen that are listening, but he is a, a true guard. He's going to be an interior guy uh, listed at 6'3", 280, was an Under Armour, um, uh, an Under Armour MVP positionally. Um, I will say – I. I don't know that he's high enough on Penn State's board right now that that you can look and, and feel confident. I also feel, even though the crystal ball is pointing to Michigan, you could probably say the same thing about Michigan, those guys that that are that size that that work in there, they, they have a lot to overcome, especially this time of year when everybody's hunting for tackles. And we, we've seen what Penn State's board looks like. You've got four commits uh, on the offensive line so far, and you're still in it for a number of very good players, and they're still evaluating guys uh, like like Tree down at DeMatho who we mentioned in our first episode this week. So there's a lot going on uh, with offensive line recruiting. So it's going to be very tough for me to say for a six foot three inch guard that they're going to go ahead and move on this, even though, you know, some of these guys have, have a high talent level.
1: Sean, we've been talking a lot next weekend, forecasting as a significant one for Penn state on the recruiting trail, a bunch of guys coming up from Florida, Uh, you know, some names that normally wouldn't pop up in happy Valley. We'll be continuing to document that this weekend, aside from, Plenty of fish for you. What are you forecasting uh, on the recruiting show for Penn State? Well, I said on the first episode this
0: week, KV on keys, the linebacker from Virginia was coming up this weekend. He actually let me know this morning. It's going to be next weekend that he's going to be up. So probably some younger guys, uh, Josiah Brown, very fast prospect from long Island that they just uh, offered probably a receiver. We'll see where he falls in the athlete uh, spectrum uh, and Makai white, who we talked about on the first uh, episode of this week, uh wide receiver. I, I like him as a linebacker. Um, I, I think that uh, he's got a lot of potential. He's got some size to work with and um, he runs pretty well, um, but we'll see where he also falls on that, that same athlete spectrum. Um, he's going to be up. So we'll have some more visitors tomorrow. Um, I don't think it's a huge weekend. Again, next weekend is the one that I've circled in terms of being the, the busiest out of, out of the three
1: um sean we've got one more thing to do before we wrap up this episode and that is to dive back into the five-star mailbag uh question that's very timely because uh news surfacing this week out of the transfer portal here we are do you think penn state will be in on maryland transfer damian robinson
0: well, it's a simple question um, with the sort of layered answers. Do I think Penn State wants Damian Robinson? Yes, absolutely. I think that, you know, this is a guy that they recruited very heavily um, as a linebacker, as a guy that they could play in that, I mean, they've compared 20 guys to him since, but my, in that Micah Parsons mold, um, that, that you could, you know, rush off the edge, you can play linebacker. We I saw him at camp and he was right there with Curtis Jacobs, with some of those other guys that, uh, you know, he was, he was very, very impressive. I was a big, big fan of Damian Robinson. Having said that, he went to Maryland. He, you know, did the, the the whole stay home thing. Spent a year there. Didn't really do much there. Um, but he's still, I think, he's still got a lot of people thinking highly of him. And then you see yesterday that, you know, if you're interested in working with him, contact his agent. Essentially, I don't think Penn State's going to do very well in that realm. And and that's not just a Robinson thing. That's a thing where if you're looking at guys who specifically come out and no problem with, with it whatsoever because these guys are are trying to get uh, get theirs. Um, but uh, the guys that come out and say, I'm going for an NIL deal, I'm going for uh, wh- whichever school is going to put the most uh, or put the best package together for me or something like that. I don't think Penn State's going to do well there um, and be a prominent uh, member of that space. I know they've come along with NIL, the, doing the collectives and things like that um, and, and trying to catch up, but I just don't see a I don't want to say I don't see a fit, but I don't see an alignment there between what Penn State's doing, what Penn State does well, and what guys like uh, guys, seemingly guys like Damian Robinson are looking for.
1: Comprehensive answer right there. And as usual, the transfer portal carries a lot of layers to it these days. Robinson, the number 22 overall player in 24-7 sports 2021 class rankings. And I remember that camp he was at. It was very yeah. impressive. Oh yeah, very impressive. Um, that's gonna wrap it up. Sean, enjoy your tripping uh trip down to catch some fish. Whether you catch any or not, I'm sure you'll have a good time. Uh producer Thanks to our producer, Lance Glenn. Uh, again, we're back on the practice field next week. Plenty more Penn State Spring Ball to discuss here on the Lions 24-7 podcast.